Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tomato Tomato podcast. Um, I am Jenna, one of your co-hosts, and joining me is my other co-host. Chris, and I am the other co-host that she mentioned seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> and so we kind of did, we were trying to figure out what to watch for this week's episode. And we kind of did a reversal of what we did last week with Death Note, which was me picking the movie based off of something on Netflix. But so Chris got a chance to pick out the movie and yeah, now understands you, how I felt <laughs> by being... You left it to me uh, to pick a movie. Because I feel uh, bad. Because a lot of the times I feel like I'm the one who picks the movies. Because I like... Am... But I don't mind though. Because it's always like, you know, when you're in a car with people. And it's like, alright, what do you want to listen to? It's like, I, I don't know. News radio? <laughs> um, dead silence? Or like the yeah. Mexican like mariachi radio? <laughs> that would be... a far better choice my, my dad um, honestly like has a mariachi station as one of the presets in his car i don't know why that's amazing he never puts it on but it's like you listen to more than five stations you could find something else to put for the sixth one that's not just like <laughs> generic mariachi radio but yeah it so you got the chance to pick this yeah station so i was i was going week. through netflix uh going through netflix and we had just done wild wild west recently and if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to it yeah it's a great episode it's one of our classics <laughs> um so i i looked at wild wild west and looked at the related movies oh boy to it and i was scrolling through them and then uh sky captain was one of the options uh... Uh, sky captain and the world of tomorrow again if you don't read episode titles or descriptions now that's you know. the movie we're talking about you, today yeah um, well, and it was funny because you actually came to me with a list of like four or five different movies and there were a couple where I was like, no, I want to save that one to like watch at a different point in time or like, oh no, I own that one on DVD or like, I don't, this one doesn't feel right for this week. Like we almost did Hellboy, but we were like, why don't we save that for a week where it's slightly more topical. But then this one, the only thing I knew about this movie was like... A couple of months ago, I was reading some DC comic from the the time that this movie was released, and there was a two thousand four. Yes, and there was a giant advertisement for the movie in the like in the centerfold of the comic, and it had like a fold out poster and this whole thing. And I'm like, what is this shit? <laughs> I don't. I did not know this movie existed. And then I moved so, on with my life and never thought about watching it until just now. <laughs> see, I kind of remember this movie being marketed and advertised when it was coming out uh-huh this was over 10 years ago so i didn't i had no idea what to make of it when it was coming out i didn't see it so this was the first time i was seeing this movie this too. movie is 13 years old this movie is a bratty teenager it it is it really is though. it's almost in high school <laughs> it's like just going through puberty and like wanting to just sit in its room and listen to not emo music but like weird swing music because that's what this movie hey, is going guys. for <laughs> oh god oh, so this movie if you aren't familiar with sky captain and the world of tomorrow is from like we said 2004 it is i don't even know the guy who directed this what the uh, hell so he wrote and directed yeah carrie Carrie Conran. Conran. So as I was I, sitting through this movie, I almost messaged you like a couple of times and asked, like, is this based on a comic book? Because this almost seemed like in the realm of like the Rocketeer or like 
that kind of like this seemed like it could have been a really outdated old comic that then someone turned into a movie and completely bastardized but it's not (laughs) no so you are uh so i was doing research yeah uh on this and on carrie conran Uh so apparently he was working on this movie for a while on his own he developed like a short like a like a short version of this movie for like four years on his mac and this movie was a pioneer it's a technological uh uh, feat um because it brought blue screen to (laughs) the industry and blue screen if you don't know it's basically green screen but used to just digitally render uh backgrounds and sets which was later used for uh, Star Wars, a um, couple other movies. Um, I can't remember off. Well, wait, was this okay? So, when did this movie like actually get made versus when it got released? Because this <clears throat> almost feels like it was around the same time as when Star Wars used a ton of blue screen, but it doesn't feel like it was like something that predated it. Because wasn't Attack of the Clones like before this? <clears throat> uh, so it. It was Attack of the Clones. I, they used the blue screen a lot for uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh yeah, but just Attack so of it, the Clones it fell is in what between I remember those two. because of the everyone waving their various weapons around <laughs> and just standing <laughs> yes. around in nothing. That is like the pinnacle of why are you using blue screen for me? So that's why it was weird to me to be like, oh yeah, Sky Captain was this big pioneer when it's like no, Attack of the Clones used it like way worse like two years beforehand. <laughs> But yeah, it. But uh, yeah, so going back to your point about like this looks like a comic book movie. Yeah. And you're totally right on uh-huh. with that. Um, within like the first twenty minutes, um, I totally got what they were going for. Uh huh. Because um, there's this whole sequence of these giant uh, robots attacking the city, and instantly I I knew what inspired that, and that was the uh, Fleischer. Superman cartoons, mm, mm-hmm. specifically the mechanical monsters one. Mm. And then I look at like uh, this guy's inspiration for this movie, and he cited the Fleischer cartoons, the old uh, Golden Age uh, pulp comics and characters like Doc Savage and uh, Superman and uh, other ones like that. I can't remember offhand, but yeah, he's blatantly inspired. To slash ripping off a golden age pulp uh characters well and at one point you were like oh my god this is ripping off iron giant because it's like the robot designs are exactly like iron giant yes it it has that weird blend of kind of that golden age uh, retro futuristic look to it with like you know you have the ray guns and almost reminds me of kind of like metropolis yeah the movie yeah in that kind of aesthetic, and like you said, Rocketeer, uh, yeah, it definitely. Well, and it has like I like the aesthetic and tone uh, look of this movie. I like what they were attempting to do. I don't think they succeeded. Okay, how so? Because I don't know. I feel like there were better. There, I don't know. There are movies where it's like an immersive CGI thing, and it doesn't necessarily constantly make me aware that it's cgi 
this was not one of those movies. It was there was no like immersion level mm-hmm. of it of like, oh my god, this is so impressive. This feels so realistic. This like I can just let this world be a thing that I'm accepting. I didn't ever really feel that cuz it felt so it I don't know. It was so obviously completely CGI to the point where Oh, it definitely was. Yeah, well to the point where that took me out of it and it never fully like I agree. I like the whole noir, like, whatever it's called. There was some one, like, the the Wikipedia page for this movie called it, like, something punk. It wasn't, like, cyberpunk or steampunk, but it was, like... Diesel punk. Yeah, diesel punk. Like, I liked that that was the aesthetic that they were going for. I think that that's really interesting. Me too. But... It just part of it is also the time that it came out, but part of me is also like other movies had better CGI. So, <laughs> so uh, speaking of other movies, yeah, of the time. So this was out in two thousand four. Yeah, um, it was supposed to have a summer release. I saw that, but the studio felt that it would not have succeeded, so they pushed it back to the fall, and it was originally supposed to open. A week before Spider-Man. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have made this movie tank even harder than it actually even did. Even harder. Oh, dear Lord. Well, because <clears throat> I saw it, so, like, on Netflix, because it'll give you, like, a little blurb about the movie or the show or, that you're watching, like, trying to sell you on it based, like, more than just the synopsis. And it says, like, blah, blah, blah. This movie opened at number one at the box office. And I was like, How? <laughs> I don't understand. Like so, we it, this movie was almost exactly thirteen years ago. Exactly, it opened September seventeenth. Oh, that's really weird. And as of recording today, it's the September twenty first. <laughs> that's really weird. Oh my god, we like. <laughs> so I think it's appropriate that we record this movie. Oh, we unintentionally picked this movie's anniversary. Yes, we did. That's really bizarre. I'm sure no yeah, one so, else gives a shit that it's the anniversary. Oh, absolutely, of no one. <laughs> oh, and then because you were saying God. that it opened up uh, first. I mean, uh, so the budget was seventy million. Yeah, and it made box like office, 50? 58 million. Yikes! So it was a loss. Um, it was just distributed by Paramount. Okay. It was. Uh, it was produced. Uh, by the director slash writer and some other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they just really liked what he was doing. And I did check IMBD uh-huh. for Carrie Conran, uh-huh. writer-director. He hasn't done anything since 2012. Oh, I'm on his page now. Yeah, he did like one short film in 2012. Yeah, so he's kind of disappeared. I don't blame him. Me neither. Yeah, his other thing that he did in 2012 was a short film about a robot that is in a casting session for some yeah. for a movie or something i don't know i'm like why are you so obsessed with like weird cgi I stuff i don't understand this guy <laughs> oh but so i think we should touch on like the rotten tomatoes score and all yeah. of that sort of stuff since that's usually what we do so the tomato meter for this movie is surprisingly high like i would not have put it this high considering it's, the content it's of this movie, but it's at 72%. what I expected. I don't know. I feel like it... I don't know. It must have just been like a sign of the times because I feel like it should be way lower, but it seems like, especially reading the positive reviews, it seems like there were people who were totally sold on like the immersive world of it all 
and the aesthetic and thought that they pulled it off really well and i'm just i think not part of it is people. that you it helps the people who liked it probably have a familiarity and reverence for kind of the golden age of pulp uh magazines and yeah. comics and all that and kind of understand what they were going for it's kind of this unabashed craziness like i give them credit for this movie they know what they are and they go for it and there's i still no sense yeah. of there's no sense of irony to it yeah there isn't a sense of irony but then there was this weird moment for me where i'm like i don't know who this movie is targeted like towards because it feels, like you said, there's the weird, like, golden age nostalgia aspect. But I can't see you necessarily being like, all right, let's go take the family to go see this movie. Because it Which feels Which it, it so... very much is, because it's only PG. I know, but it, like, something about just the aesthetic of it and the thematic part of it. I don't know. It's something to me where I'm like, I could not see myself in 2004. I was like... 10, I think, going to see this movie. Like, it would well, not the, have interested me. <laughs> the audience agrees with you because the, the audience score is only 46%. Uh-huh. That's rotten. Uh, 2.8 out of 5 is the average rating mm-hmm. with a little over 100,000 user ratings. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. For Rotten Tomatoes not enough. really being a thing in 2004, that is a lot. I think part of, I don't know, I'm like, is it just people who watched guessed... it on Netflix and then we're like, I hate this movie. I need to go. I, yeah, about I think this it's movie. either the extremes is like, I hated this or this is amazing. Yeah. Because I guess this kind of has a cult following. I don't. That I saw that. I ugh, I do understand it, and I also don't. Yeah. Because I guess because I this know. is the only movie that I could think of that fits this kind of genre outside of rocketeer maybe yeah well and it it feels like in the same sort of sense of the like heavily cgi and the noir sort of thing it did remind me of like sin city to an extent but it's like oh that was the other movie that uh because of the whole blue screen yeah that this movie developed the sin city was that they basically took from this yeah which like i'm I'm, that makes me kind of glad for this movie then because like i like sin city a lot more but it's just kind of it's interesting to me because it feels like i don't know just the the choices that this movie made are options that are obviously on the table but they're not options i necessarily would have made which Mm -hmm. then makes the whole thing just this like very bizarre thing to watch yeah because it I, like if you were making this movie the choices that you would make wouldn't make the movie it is yeah i'm I'm trying to figure out how to explain it 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 would become a different thing exactly yeah which, it wouldn't be this kind of pulpy i would retro I, futuristic I movie i would still lean into that it's just the execution is what kind of i'm uh, not happy with and or like what kind of was crazy to me and part of it is just kind of like the so obviously bad CGI and oh, God. like the, the fake robots and the because there were moments early on in the movie where I'm like, oh, that could be a practical location. Like they could actually have built a room that she could be standing in. But then I realized I was like, oh, they're using that for two seconds. So that's obviously CGI. And then so it there were of, only two sets built for this movie. What were the sets? I don't remember. This was going off of uh, articles okay. that I saw for this. Okay. Um, they they only had two sets built because of 
budget and time constraints. <laughs> Everything else was CGI. Uh, it's like, uh, there was a moment, so when when the whole group is like, uh, at the, like, headed towards the door, and at, like, towards the end of the movie, and then they see the, like, giant floating head, which we can get to the giant floating head later, because that whole, <laughs> that twist was absolutely insane. Um, but there was a moment for me where I was like, this feels like a, like, if Doctor Who was around in, like, 2002, this feels like the quality of an episode yes. that we would have gotten. Like, Doctor Who, Which when it actually rebooted... The, the Doctor Who revival started a year later. I know. Like, when it actually revived, it was significantly better. But this definitely, like, the aesthetic and the, the, the quality of the CGI and the amount of CGI and the thing of, like, we're only going to use two sets because we're the BBC and we're kind of poor. Like, that, <laughs> that felt very similar. Like, I don't know. I felt that kind of... I don't know. I felt a lot that of these with choices, this movie. A lot of the choices in this movie, from the the shaky CGI to the shaky dialogue and <laughs> the exposition, very shaky I don't. Dialogue. I don't know if that's a stylistic choice or if it was just I think poor the, execution I think I, or both. Because yeah. that's my thing. Is like I can understand this being a cult movie for like the nostalgia of the aesthetic of it all, but the dialogue and the plot is so bad that I don't and I can't find myself like actively attempting to enjoy this movie and not realizing how many problems it has. Should we get into the reviews now? Absolutely. So this review starts out calling the movie 70% style and 30% substance, which I think is totally fair. <laughs> yes. It's like it says it has plot and characters, but those are almost beside the point. They are devices that function as hooks upon which first-time director Carrie Conran can hang his amazing visuals. Okay, sure, Jan. <laughs> um, but let's also take into consideration yeah. the time. This I'm, was thirteen I years know, ago. But I'm also like I'm I'm also from the mindset of everything doesn't always need to be complete CGI. I love when things are like a mix oh, of practical yeah. and CGI. And there were movies that did that better to the point where it's like it's funny to me that it's like oh this is so amazing when I don't necessarily think that it was uh, it wasn't immersive on the level of like I can see this being a like a real thing but and like the movie we're going to talk about next week is one of those things where it's it's a, it's 20 years before or like yeah 20 or 30 years before this movie but I think that the way that they use CGI is way more effective <laughs> but so that's just my own personal opinion yeah. But yeah. Um I don't even know what were your thoughts about this review? Um I agree disagree. I I think it gives it maybe a little too much. Mm -hmm. uh, credit, but then again, it could be of the time. Like it definitely <laughs> I agree with the style over substance. Um the characters and plot are thin, very cut and dry very cliched okay like, i so... guess that's kind of the the feel <laughs> and kind of the uh, aesthetic of pulps so my whole thing i'm not really very familiar with the genre but i'm also like i could not pin down what the like what jude law's character was supposed to be because he's it, an adventurer i know but it was like there were these moments where i'm like i couldn't tell if he was supposed to be like the dashing hero or if he was supposed to be more like 
the Han Solo type who's kind of a, like a lovable asshole but also a hero or what because like he just The answer to that is just yes. But he didn't perform any of that. That didn't really cuz like this review calls him like tough yet sensitive. There were no moments where he genuinely felt sensitive. Any romantic moment in that movie was used as a punchline. Yes, he was every other line. <sighs> Although it was, let's be honest, it was for to Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. <laughs> we and can get we to Gwyneth Paltrow. We all know how I feel about Goop Paltrow. We can we can get to Gwyneth Paltrow, and then you can Goop go Paltrow. in. Yeah, and then you can get into your rant about Spider-Man: Homecoming when, for about yeah. a week, you thought that she was second build in the movie. <laughs> that was bullshit it wasn't true because then i saw it like two days later and i was like don't worry she's really like eighth build but for like a week you were so mad you were like how dare she even over robert downey jr like you were so frustrated but (sighs) my thing is like i have seen i don't know i i can't i've seen jude law in other movies i'm totally blanking on a lot of them other than like the guy richie sherlock holmes movies for some reason okay so uh I often get Jude Law and Paul Bettany confused. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just because they're kind of two (laughs) mildly attractive British men who are gaunt and don't have a lot of leading roles, but are just kind of there. Now that you mention it, they do look kind of similar, but I never would have made that connection. Because for the entirety of this movie... I couldn't remember Jude Law's name, uh-huh. and I kept wanting to call him Paul Bettany, but I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, see, my, So, like, apologies to Jude Law. Yeah, because he's obviously listening. Um, obviously. No, my, ma- my main thing is, like, I, I don't know. I've seen him in movies, and I think he, he can be really good and actually have like dimension to his performance but this one was just so bizarre to me because it never really it always was just kind of like that it was supposed to be that like dashing Han Solo sort of hero like I'm a womanizer and I'm I do whatever but like he never he he portrayed it but in such a flat kind of way I think yeah he didn't really add much to it yeah. It was kind of very what you'd expect from this kind of character. Yeah. Oh, um, I just remembered. Review... You are going to remember who Jude Law is because he is going to play young Dumbledore. Oh, I'm aware because yeah. uh, I knew that. I knew he was going to play young Dumbledore because yeah. he shares a scene, or, or at least Paul uh, or Michael Gambon <laughs> is in this movie oh, yeah. for a second, and he plays Dumbledore. Oh. And that's when I had that, like light bulb moment that's really like hey there's dumbledores (laughs) there's dumbledores well so then when fantastic beast 2 comes out we can like promote this episode and be like hey watch watch the movie when both dumbledores were on screen together and like (laughs) sell it as this nice thing but it really isn't but so apologies if you're in the future right now from us listening to this because you got swindled (laughs) because fantastic beast promo Sorry, uh, but not but, sorry. Like, I'm looking through his like IMDb because I, I like I said I was totally blanking. But like he's he's really good in Spy. Like, but I just genuinely really like Spy. Um, we like I've been meaning to watch The Young Pope because I hear it's the weirdest show in the world. But that like he's really I, interesting. I in still it. kind of refuse to believe that's real, and it's just kind of like <laughs> really elaborate SNL skit. When when the video came out of the like 
of him getting ready to an LMFAO song, I was like, this has to be a shit post. <laughs> but then it was from the official HBO, like, YouTube channel. And I just did not know what to do with myself for the rest of the day. I was like, this it's is so a real surreal. thing. It's Yeah, like, surreal was obviously what they were going for there. And it sounds like they did a really good job. But I still was like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> but so, that has that's intentionally surreal whereas sky captain is just is like not it's unintentionally like because like i said i tonally i couldn't figure out what the characters were trying to go for they kept like stretching into one direction and then immediately snapping back and then like like in terms of character development and character traits and relationships with each other it was just so... Okay, so speaking of the relationship, okay. this review from yes. Real Review says that they have great chemistry. I disagree. Yes. <laughs> I don't... How can anyone have chemistry with Paltrow? <laughs> Jeez. Damn. At one point, we are going to watch a Gwyneth Paltrow movie that you are not going to hate, and it is going to be a very interesting day. <laughs> Listen, the moment she started Goop, it was just <laughs> downhill from there. I'm going to at least, oh God. It, it, it'll, it, I'm going to challenge you and our listener <laughs> to find me a Gwyneth Paltrow movie that I will like. Other than, oh, other than yeah, Seven and, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do you like Seven? That has, that has a great ending. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we just, we are very vehemently anti-Gwyneth Paltrow, apparently. <laughs> That'll well, also I'm be... sure she's a nice person, uh, but I just can't support Goop. That'll also be fun. But when we I get... will, I will instantly sell out if Goop wants to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> I will hog anything you want, Gwyneth. If anything, if you give us it'll money. it'll maybe sponsor our inevitable Glee podcast that we've been floating around for about six months yeah, because yeah. she makes so if... several appearances throughout so the if... course of Glee. So Gwyneth, if you're still listening, uh. Uh, just message me dm me we'll sell out and you can help us fund our new glee podcast yeah so thank you yeah we'll, we'll talk about those like right weird vagina eggs and whatever yeah, but, yeah. yeah they don't have chemistry and i i don't know i almost admired gwyneth's character to an extent but then she would do things that would completely like diminish that for me if she wasn't so just invested in dude law's character yeah and be that kind of damsel in distress and it's like oh this yeah because no, like that, the whole first act because i was like oh this is kind of interesting we're not focusing on sky captain we're focusing on her in the yes. first like 10 minutes of the movie and then he kind of comes in as a, as like as part of the inciting incident or whatever but like then so i was like oh this is kind of cool she's like Lois Lane taking charge, standing up for herself, getting yeah. shit done on her own. But then she immediately just is like obsessed with his character, but not even obsessed on the like, I love you scale as much as it's just like, I couldn't even figure it out because it's like they and don't then necessarily. That, that they don't contrived ne uh, <sighs> rivalry between Peltro and Jolie. Which we will get to Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> but. Because that, that's my thing, is they didn't have any romantic tension or any... It didn't seem like they had any desire to if they didn't get back together. And just as two friends who like to banter yeah. and be witty with each other, 
that would have been much better. But having the back, like the backstory of like, oh, we dated, we dated, but then you screwed me over, I also cut and the I screwed you plane. over, and you ended up in a prison camp for three months. It's like such a contrived thing to where I'm like, I don't want these people to get together. Like, no. there's no desire for it, and they didn't show anything in the movie that like hinted that they would necessarily until the the stupid thing with the camera as soon as the camera thing started i'm like oh this is gonna be such a contrived like trope of like oh i have to save my last shot for a picture of him because i love him i'm like i did kind of groan chuckle at that very last bit (laughs) me too where she's she's down to one last shot she has one photo left on her camera she takes a shot of uh jude law instead of the dinosaurs and then jude law is like oh you took your last photo or no he doesn't even he doesn't even say that he just goes like polly and she goes you don't have to say anything and he goes you left the lens lens cap on and then the movie ends yeah (laughs) i was not expecting it to end there but sure I was like, this is fine, but yeah, yeah it, I mean, like, that was genuinely funny, but all of the trope leading up to it of, like, well, I can't take pictures of literal dinosaurs or of a giant mecha arc that's going to shoot into space because I need to find something better. I'm like, get over yourself. This is such a stupid thing. <sighs> and I don't know, because... That's my thing. I don't necessarily think that they necessarily even really liked each other. There was no hinting at it for me no it just seemed like they like like you said they could have played it as two strangers who like by necessity need to team up for this sort of thing this could have been like their first mission where it's like we don't know any we don't know each other but now we do and i'm the reporter and i want to follow you on the story they didn't need all of the backstory of having them already be romantically intertwined. You still could have had the rivalry with Angelina Jolie. You still could have had the same ending. You still could have had all of, like, you could have had the romantic, like, stuff kind of budding instead of just, like, we used to be together and now we don't want to be together again at all. But, like, I don't know. So there's this line that I'm trying to just process in the, (laughs) the Real Views review. Oh, boy. It says, on first viewing, there's just enough time to absorb generalities. It takes takes subsequent viewings to sort out the details. Sky Captain stands up extraordinarily well on a second or third sit through. No. So do we need to pause this right now and go watch it a couple more times? No. Maybe just to let it sink in and simmer so we can get no. it. No. No. You sure? I'm okay. positive. In part because when I was trying to find the Rotten review that I think we're going to talk about, when you go to the audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, the first person who, like the first review it shows is a one-star review, and the, it starts by saying, after a second viewing, I lowered my rating significantly. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so it's like, I trust this random person way more than I trust this critic. Because I would... this. I would... Yes. Yeah, sorry, James... Bernard Nelly. But like, I I would not watch this movie again. I I don't see any reason to watch this movie again. Like, honest I, to God. Yeah, like, I there's this kind of thin level of enjoyment I got. Yeah. Because I understood what they were going for. Yeah. I but didn't... I don't feel the need to kind of like revisit it. Exactly. It's like, hey guys, let's pop on Sky Captain. <laughs> exactly. It was like, well, I'm I'm glad that I saw that. 
or I'm not necessarily glad, but it's like I saw that I didn't hate the entire experience, but I will not revisit it again. Like that's kind of my perspective <laughs> with it. But yeah, going back to this review before we jump to another one, the analogies that this review uses with all of the characters are so like giving way too much credit. It really does. Because it says, like, Dex is handier than MacGyver. Which, by the way, I'm like, the real love story was between Dex and Joe. Because yes, they was. were gay as hell. <laughs> because... There was one scene where um, they were captured or something, and they all wake up in bed with each other. And Dex wasn't there. Naked. And I was like, he should have been there, because then... And the, But that other guy was, yeah. and he, like, wakes up and like, hey, it's up. Yeah. Which, that scene bothered me. I almost, like, I was like, yeah. where is this going to go? I am not comfortable. And then it pans out to show Jude Law, and I'm like, I'm even more uncomfortable. And then it pans out to show the third guy, and I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, where, when the <laughs> hell, like, I couldn't wrap my brain around how they were going to try to justify it. But then they ultimately made it this weird comedic thing and just yes. passed it off. But I'm like, ugh. But... Yeah, it says that Dex is handier than MacGyver and also super gay, but it doesn't say that. And then it's 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 there. Yeah, and then so then it says that Bai Ling's character, which by the way, this is now the second the return of Bai the Ling, the return of Bai Ling, and we haven't even gotten to Crank Two yet, which is like the pinnacle of Bai Ling's like Western performances. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to add uh, Bai Ling to our drinking game. Yes, absolutely. Every time she's on screen, just take a drink. Oh, you would be very, very drunk. But, yeah. like, so in this movie, she's only credited as mysterious woman. She does not get a name. She does not get no. a line of dialogue. She's just there. And and she's not even a real woman. She's a robot. <sighs> that bothered me, too. And it's like, cool, let's take away one of the few POC characters and make them a, wo- uh, a robot. I, Great. Uh, well, and then it's, so then this review says that she, that, the villains are a mysterious Asian woman who would give Jackie Chan a fight he would never forget. I'm like, sure, Jan. <laughs> like, you're, yeah. you're giving all of these characters way too much credit. And not considering the fact that, like, their performances are not really selling this movie as much as you think that they are. It's just that you... it's happening in this weird kind of, like, aesthetic that you like. And so you think that that heightens the performance. Which, uh, it doesn't. It honestly doesn't. No. I wonder if uh, James, yeah, James, yeah. reviewed this. If he actually did watch it two or three more times, because I'd like to see him watch it today. Yeah, and do an updated review. God, that would be so fascinating to just like to just bring on critics and be like, "Hey, what did you think of this movie now?" <laughs> like, yeah. So the review, he's making all these correlations to other things, like the MacGyver thing, and then he says, "There's a Raiders of the Lost Ark quality." to the action and cliffhangers Uh, no it's again giving it way too much credit and the humor is used to offset tension there's an ongoing joke about the two shots and the camera and yeah i no it doesn't have raiders quality no action i mean it kind of it it attempts it it doesn't go for it but and it did feel in a way like this weird Star like if Star Wars was set in this time period in this aesthetic, or like if Superman was set in this thing, but he doesn't have superpowers, and also they're both assholes. Like it's just this weird yeah. like quasi 
reference that they're going for, but then they don't ever really land it. They just make this weird, like... It was like if those old adventure serials from the 30s and 40s had money and today's technology, this would be the result. Yeah, so the next review is rotten. comes from Empire Online, which is the most popular of the outlets that we have uh, for our reviews today. Uh, They give it a 2 out of 5 stars, which seems appropriate. Yeah. Um, It it says it's that kind of movie where everything but the kitchen sink is thrown in, and then even then it it could be a giant kitchen sink with laser cannons for taps. (laughs) And I'm like, I love that line because it is so accurate. It it really is, though, because it kind of has all these... It hits all the points for, like, this kind of pulp golden age thing. It's like, here's the giant robots attacking the city. Here's the mystical Asian racist city. Yeah. Here's here's the big crazy ray guns and stuff. And it hits all those things that you would expect. And obviously, Gary Conran knows all of those things. And he's familiar with the stuff that he's lifting from. And... Well, and it's not even that it's necessarily a thing that's limited to serials. It was very much kind of a thing of the adventure movies of that time period of like, mm-hmm. of like the late nineties, early two thousands and stuff. Like I know eventually we're going to cover Pluto Nash, which is the similar sort of thing, but completely set in space. But it's the same sort of thing where they throw everything at the wall and try to see what sticks. So it's like, two sets of twins and um what's his face i can't remember his name shit the guy that went insane crap i can't remember his name randy quaid yeah randy quaid randy quaid playing really i was right yes wow randy quaid playing a bald robot and (laughs) like louise guzman as this weird mexican stereotype and Uh, like horrible cgi they just throw like every single weird thing at the wall and try to see what sticks because it's like none of it does because it's like we're an adventure movie and we're not based off an existing property so we can just kind of do whatever and it's (sighs) like well yeah but not all of that is going to land with your audience and then at some point you get distracted from what the goal of the movie is supposed to be because like this review says it it the sky captain is unlike anything at the multiplexes this year but for all that precise digital splendor of the art direction someone left out the spontaneity and humanity this was meant to show George Lucas how this sort of thing should be done, but Conran instead makes all of the same mistakes, which I completely agree with. He does. He goes for style over substance. Yeah. I mean, we could endlessly talk about how George Lucas <laughs> heavily relied on blue screen, CGI, all that new fancy technology at his disposal, but forgot to make a good, tangible, coherent story. But that's for another day. Yeah. Um, uh, they do the same thing here. <laughs> At least this movie didn't have midichlorians. <laughs> that should be God. on the. What are those? That should be no, on the poster. <laughs> that should. Be... <laughs> but yeah, it. And, and there's a thing when you direct a movie that's so heavily based on CGI, where you can tell that your actors don't know how to act because they don't know what the end result is going to be. And like, yeah. there's there's instances of that where it. it 
is hilarious where it'll be like someone waving their prop around and they're completely out of the way of whatever the CGI thing actually is. <laughs> but then there's instances like this where it's just kind of like sad because I know that they're trying, but they don't yeah. know what they're going to visualize once the movie actually ends up being a thing. So they're just standing there on a blue screen like, I know I'm looking at something, but I don't know what that something is. <laughs> yeah, it's... You have to give the actors something to go off of. Yeah. Even if it's like a tennis ball hanging on a stick exactly. or something. But I think it also doesn't help that this was Conran's first real yeah. directing gig. Yeah. And the fact uh, that he has like all of these, like at the time, well-known actors involved is kind oh, of yeah. surprising for a debut. And pretty much his only debut. <laughs> yeah. Well, but for the fact of, like, that that was what made me wonder if this was based on something, if this, like, was some old serial or some old comic book or whatever, because I was like, how would you, as a studio, be like, all right, we're definitely going to throw a bunch of money in this thing and get Gwyneth Paltrow and all of these other people that are, like, known actors to be in this movie? Well, that's the thing. No studio gave them the money. Oh, they... yeah, that's right. They got all the funding themselves and Universal, uh, or no, Paramount. Paramount, yeah. They they just distributed the movie, so it was not really a loss for them. That's true. So, really, it was all back on Conran. Yeah, it... And then, it, like, this review goes on to say, um, this role cries out for Jude Law's natural brand of d- a dangerous charm, but Law is instead repressed and uncomfortable. Still, it can't yep. be easy acting opposite a blank canvas or Gwyneth Paltrow as she's otherwise known. <laughs> so this review... And you call me savage. This review right? is equally savage. <laughs> it goes on to say that she is not just miscast, but spectacularly, spectacularly miscast. Whiny and stilted when she should be sassy, sexy, and all action. I I think that's very valid. I totally yeah. agree with it. Because, yeah, like I said, she, she would jump back and forth from being, like, strong female character, Lois Lane sort of thing, to all of a sudden to, being, like, oh, whiny. I'm pining for I'm you, I'm whiny Sky and Captain. pining, and then all of a sudden your, your ex-girlfriend shows up, and, and it's My like, film... <laughs> My, oh, yeah, my film. I, I took a picture of the ground. I'm like, oh, God. Well, and then there was part of me that I was like, in another movie, it would have been, like, I wanted more tension between her character and Angelina Jolie's character, but... Me too, or at least for them to, like, make out or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not if they were... I mean, if they weren't going to make out, at least, like, put make it to where I could connect the dots to them making out. But they did yeah, not do enough with that. Yeah, because if we can that. have Dax and Sky Captain together, I don't see why we can't have... Yeah. What, whatever their names are. <laughs> We're tired. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, it... And then this review says that sassy sexy and all action sums up the entire movie um this tries to rock it from one action set piece to another but save for a couple of inspired moments there's little in the way of breathless excitement and then it says internet fanboys have already clutched it to their portly man bosoms but then this is a movie i'm clutching my bosoms right now and (laughs) listen it's it's something all right i don't know i don't know I don't. I don't understand how there was like a fandom around this movie. Because I think there is, is a fandom. The script They're out is there. just so bad. There are literally dozens of them. The script is so bad 
that I, it's one of those things where I can see it to an extent, but that's almost like, there are fandoms that come along where it's like, the original text is so bad, so I'm going to make my own fan fiction, but this doesn't feel like one of those things, because everything that's constructed in this does not feel like a decent jumping off point to then build on and make other stories from. So what you're saying is, I am not going to get this guy captain. <laughs> Uh, extended cinematic universe. No. Even though oh, they shit. kind of set it up in a way. In a way that, by the way, totally rips off the end scene of Pacific Rim like a decade before Pacific Rim. I Yeah, it really did, though. It was so weird. Cause then, so there were moments in this movie where it ripped off things that, have n- that did not exist. And, but it's also one of those things where I know the people who made the thing that existed later did not use this as a reference. Because no like one the, uses the this Pacific as a Rim thing at the at like at the end, and then when when Sky Captain almost like runs into the the rocket and is gonna fly it into the sun or whatever, and he does the I wish we had more time, and I literally screamed, yeah. "Don't use Steve Trevor's <laughs> line!" It's like it's so bizarre to me because I know it's just a coincidence, and that there's like a limited number of ideas to an extent, but the fact that there were these similarities, like so heavily when no one would use well i think that just shows just how uninspired conran is exactly as a writer exactly um he's he visually he's kind of there visually he's trying hard he might not have succeeded but he's at least trying hard you could tell he put most of his efforts into the look yeah the the cgi and the technical aspects and not so much the story but like you said like the uninspired is the perfect word for it and that's why i was saying i it's it is surprising to me that this has a fandom because this just feels like such a bland story to kind of be building off of i think it's it has a fandom because this is one of the few movies that fits that old that that exists that that's out there like this Mm -hmm. and so they kind of latch onto it and they kind of have this (laughs) unironic uh love for it i guess i don't even know (sighs) do we want to move to the third review uh yes cool so our third review comes from cinemawriter.com it's by jay and danny i think that's right (laughs) sure yeah tweet at me if i'm wrong yeah um so yeah so this is a fresh review they give it a grade b uh, not a B minus or a B plus, just a B. That okay. <laughs> yeah. But then it it does highlight a thing that I like. Like I was saying, kind of earlier, it says I think Sky Captain tanked at the box office because it may have been too obscure in its source material for younger audiences to relate to, and too demanding of the mall rats not used to its old timey cultural references. Which I th- that that was kind of my point, where I'm like, you're making this like who is it all- for? Yeah, it's this all-ages action-adventure movie, but it's so heavily rooted in a time period that none of the families would actually understand. And it's not like you're going to be driving your like driving your family home and then the little kid's like, what did that, what was that? And it's like, I don't know, I wasn't even alive in the 30s. <laughs> it, yeah. It's like, it, it's so far removed to an extent. That I feel like if this was made today to try to appeal to kids, they would have added some smoke. Like cutesy animal or creature. This would be animated. It would like. Oh yeah. It would be completely animated, and it would it would work because it would be like, 
kids are much more easily sold on animation, I think, when it comes to, like, giant, massive, family-oriented world kind of stuff. Unless it's, like, a known property. I feel like in most cases, you really have to make it animated. Um, yeah. But, like, I... Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be offended on behalf of all comic book heroines. Okay. Because of this review. Yes. The review says, the cast is fun. Gwyneth Paltrow's Polly Perkins is pitch perfect in the manner of all of these intrepid uh-huh. comic book heroines. Uh-huh. No. 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 No, no, no. <laughs> also, like, I'm trying to get in, like, the mindset of someone in 2004. Uh-huh. So, really, all they have at that point is, like, Margot Kidder, Lois Lane, Kirsten Dunst is uh, uh, Mary Jane. Catwoman. That's pretty much it. Catwoman. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not much to go off of, but even still. Okay, it's, but no. they have like a little bit more to go off of depending on how far back you want to go because there's like the Batman movies. And there's, I feel like, yeah. even, if you, even if you have your issues with them, like Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is iconic. And like Alicia, Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl is a lot of fun in a movie that is like a, a, an absolute mess, but in a fun way. We, we should, we should definitely do that. We movie we at absolutely some point. will. We definitely will. But like, my point is, is they at least had more agency and. I was just gonna say that, yeah. And like, they felt more in line with the modern day female superhero characters to an extent. Like, obviously, some things kind of progressed as time went on but they felt more like i don't know it felt like a logical step whereas this just feels but then again it feels like a sign of the times thing because it's like are you deliberately trying to make her a 1940s like lois lane damsel in distress sort of thing or are you trying to give her agency because you walk this weird line with it and then you don't really fully go one way or the other yeah they straddle the fence and they don't do anything interesting with her. Yeah. They should have just committed one way or the other. I would have watched a whole movie just about Angelina Jolie's character. Okay, so I... Angelina Jolie's character. Um, <laughs> we both had the same thing going into this movie, which is when you look at the poster and you look at the marketing for this movie, you see <clears throat> Angelina Jolie in an eye patch. So my logical okay, so- conclusion was she has to be the villain of this movie. See, I I kind of had when she came on screen, uh-huh. I I had a different kind of thing go on in my brain. What do you have? Um, she is femme Nick Fury. No, I definitely had that too. But my she point has was, the eye patch. Yes. she's she has head a quinjet. Whole thing. She has a quinjet. It literally she has a looks flying goddamn helicarrier. They walk into it, and there's like that shot of all of the windows everywhere, and them kind of walking into the quinjet, and it literally looks like the Avengers. Like it looks like she, in the first Avengers movie. It's she so is weird. Femme Nick Fury. I know. I definitely made that connection too. But everything leading up to her being on screen, I was totally under the impression that she was going to be the villain. I was like, oh, so they're going to do a thing where everyone thinks it's this guy scientist that's trying to do the evil thing, but then it ends up being like his sister or his wife or whatever, like secretly pulling the strings and making this whole thing happen, and that's Angelina Jolie. That was what I thought was going to happen, but instead she just shows up halfway through the movie as this like 
perfect yeah, th- Mary Sue, Girl Friday sort of thing. That, and that's how one of the... Is yeah. This, yeah, this yeah, review this describes review. her as Girl Friday. Yeah, it's like she's she's too perfect to the point where I either needed the whole movie to be about her or none of the movie to be about her. Yes. Because I'm like, I have too many questions now because this is a little <laughs> too much. <laughs> and plus, like, I don't know. It's so weird to me because she, she had agency and was interesting to watch and was like this very bizarre kind of addition to the whole movie but she really was but then as soon as she as soon as the whole underwater thing is done then she just is like this footnote that doesn't really have any agency again because then they because then the only time they ever mention her again is like asking well when she was the other woman wasn't she like how long were you sleeping with her then he's like oh come on i would never cheat on you and then gwyneth paltrow tells him the truth about something and then he goes oh it was for three months and it's like (laughs) it was so frustrating to me so i'm like you're reducing this character who's really interesting and very bizarre into nothing and it was so weird yeah i don't remember her name but Frankie she needed something. more screen time or just like, let's give her a spinoff, you know? Yeah. It's the same thing with Wild Wild West when they had like all of the women that were super capable yes. engineers. I'm like, give me spinoffs about that because that I find really, really cool. <laughs> but no, apparently we just had to get this weird. <sighs> and can we talk about it would, the? It's, it's the most half-assed love triangle. It is. It's so there's nothing about it that even fully goes along with it. Where yeah. I to where I said when they if they had made it where Gwyneth Paltrow and Jude Law's characters were strangers and then they were gradually developing feelings over the course of the movie, throwing Angelina Jolie in as a wedge would have been interesting. But having all of this yeah. backstory that we don't really know made it to where it was like, I don't really care because you're really just half-assing this and then just using exposition to explain why you're half-assing it. As the cinema writer review says, the script's character development is weak with Conran's creations lacking edge and depth. This explains why the film leaves precious little time residue in one's minds when it's over. (sighs) But the visuals are phenomenal. They... They, I mean, like, they are impressive in how detailed they are. I will give them yeah. that. There, Although there was this weird thing to me, and I've noticed this, there's a thing, it keeps popping up on, in media that I'm watching this week, where it's like, you you don't want to show the full cinematography of something, so you put this weird, like, glare on your lens that makes it look like you just rubbed butter all over your lens. And, like... More flare. It, it, well, it wasn't even a lens flare thing. It's just, like, everything's just all hazy. And this movie kind of had it. And it was really kind of distracting to me. And it felt like one mm-hmm. of those things where it's, like, our CGI budget can only stretch so far. And if this looked really overly clear, people would see how bad it looks. It would start falling apart. Yeah, so we need to, like, rub butter all over the camera and make it seem <laughs> like this was intentional. Which it kind of, it fits the aesthetic. But it does, I've, yeah. But I've seen, like, modern TV shows and stuff use that. And I'm like, what are you doing? I I don't understand like you're just have two people having a conversation in a car why does the screen look like that it's bothering me <laughs> but yeah it i don't know this movie we didn't even talk about the villain 
it's really a lack of. I mean, apart from Bai Ling's character, who's really just kind of a video game boss character. But she's not even a... Uh, the fact that the... Uh, the villain isn't even really a villain. It's recycled footage of Laurence Olivier. is oh yeah. insane. Because it didn't... I didn't realize that. Because when they just, like, showed him in pictures and when they, yeah. like, uh, everything leading up to that, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a real person. Like, they might not use him a whole lot, but it'll be an actual person. And instead, it's just, like old found footage of Lawrence Olivier talking to a camera that then they project to have him be like the Wizard of Oz guy. It was so frustrating and so And then weird. to have that character is like, he's been dead for 20 years. Yeah, like the Ego of the Living Planet thing of like, we have to kill yeah. all of it to make sure that he God. dies. I was just like, what are you even going for here? And you know that Lawrence Olivier was like rolling over in his grave about his like his likeness being used in this movie. Yeah. I don't know how his estate allowed this. I don't either. I, I can get it from the homage of like, well, he was from the time period and whatever, but it still was just the execution of it was so weird. Yeah. Like at the end when they're like when he shows up on a video screen and he's has some whole monologue about like life and death and love and whatever. It was so obviously recycled. It, like, did not even remotely make sense to what the plot of the movie is. And it's such an extra thing to do. Exactly. Like, I don't know why they couldn't use an actor from today to do that. Yeah. I don't know if it was for the sake of it, like, when they're selling the movie to the public. It's like, and Laurence Olivier is in this. But wait, he's dead. Okay, but I, oh. I looked, at least, on on one of the, like, the main poster for the movie. It's not like he's listed there at all. He's not even listed in the crawl on the bottom. So it's not, it doesn't seem like he even was a selling point. Unless that was, like, in the trailers and we just haven't watched the trailers. I did watch one trailer oh boy. before we started recording. Oh, boy. It's exactly what you'd expect. Oh, God. How so? A kind of, if it was uh, like, rah, rah, hero, mm. danger, adventure, action, <laughs> ladies, robots. I'm just picturing all of those words coming up on screen. <laughs> Not showing any footage, just like, ladies, words. robots, words, more words. Gay subtext. <laughs> like just... More gay subtext. Eye patch. <laughs> yeah. Robots. Does John Ralphio's bit about crazy, like a crazy night, just just put that over this movie? Girls, club, dancing. Mom? Mom? Cows. Ocean. Dinosaurs. Also, my phone's Goop. ringing. <laughs> Goop. Yeah, the, the house phone's ringing, and I am not going to answer it. So people will just have to deal with that. I don't even oh, know who's no. calling. It's probably just like a telemarketer or something. It might be. It might be Gwyneth. Is Gwyneth Pick calling? Pick it up. Pick it up. Gwyneth it's Gwyneth. Calling? She wants to sponsor us. Oh darn! I couldn't see. Like the call just ended. Whatever. Uh, um, well, you just blew it. I just, now we're I not just blew get it. That, that precious Goop sponsorship. <laughs> we're never going to get God. it. <laughs> How? I'll never be able to make avocado on a budget again. <laughs> oh darn! Us and our avocado toast are so God. doomed now <sighs> i'm just this movie's just exhausting it kind of is it's so i don't even know 
Also, someone is recording a voicemail in the background because I'm next to like the. Is it Gwyneth? No, it's not Gwyneth. It's uh, unless Gwyneth sounds like a Gwyneth. dude. <laughs> it's probably Gwyneth's agent or Goop representative. <laughs> Hi. Yes, you mentioned Goop. Here's a cease and desist phone call. <laughs> so, so people who use Goop are they called Goopers? <laughs> I hope so. Goop heads. I don't know. Hello, I'm Ashlyn with a G. And I'm a goober. <laughs> God. <sighs> I promise if this is your first episode of Tomato Tomato, we do not talk about goop this much. <laughs> we should start. Just only review Gwyneth Paltrow movies. I was going to say, let's just start just talking about goop just, just... and all their great, wonderful products and recipes. And listen, it improves your life so much if you have millions of dollars and can afford that if you're a white lady who thinks shopping at whole foods for a week and just using that as a budget is fun yeah <laughs> and not because how people actually have principles live. yeah oh god i'm gonna i'm looking at the trivia for this movie to see if there's anything of note i don't even know just <laughs> It says, in preparation for her role, Angelina Jolie met with and interviewed dozens of British veterans and pilots in order to adapt the proper mannerisms for her character. She also tweaked the script by adding bits of slang that were used in this era. So, see, she was trying so hard. She tried. She was going above and beyond in this movie (laughs) where no one else did. (laughs) And it's kind of crazy. Uh, it says this film uses a unique combination of After Effects plugins applied to achieve, achieve the unique look. No new technology was created to achieve the stylized look in the film. I just love that it's like special thanks to Adobe After Effects. Yeah, God. <sighs> well, so this, uh, so Carrie, uh, he has a background in animation. Okay. He studied at the theater program at Disney. Oh. Um, Cal Arts. Uh, he was interested in being a 2D computer animator. And so that's where he kind of figured out the techniques for what would eventually become, like, basically the whole movie. Okay. Uh, the background and the special effects. Uh-huh. And so he spent a couple of years developing that on his own, apparently on a Mac computer, those early fat back ones. Mm-hmm. And then he just decided to make it himself. Huh. Okay. So I just found out another weird trivia that is going to make you like it's going to is am I am I going to be shook? Well, I don't know how shook you're going to be, but it, it affects your like reading of Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie. So oh, she was pregnant with her daughter. I think it's a daughter. Apple. Apple. Yeah, she was oh, pregnant God. with Apple during filming of this movie. So when everyone lost their minds about naming a child Apple, this was what she was doing while pregnant with that child. I'd like to thank Apple Computers for making this movie. So I'm gonna thank you by naming my kid Apple. Yes. <laughs> oh God. I hope that's God. not what actually happened. I wouldn't put it past her. It's that's the real story. Uh, and then all this other trivia is way too long. It's like. whole paragraphs that i do not feel like reading (laughs) so conran spent four years making a black and white teaser trailer in the style of old-fashioned movie serials on a macintosh and then he showed it to a producer and then the producer recommended him to another producer 
and then that's how the movie started. Wow. Wow. So it's really who you know. I guess. I'm like, that could not really happen now. I mean, it could to an extent, but I don't know. That's so specific, like such a specific origin story of getting in and making a movie. And it obviously wasn't very effective because he only made this one movie. Um, Yeah, it says that this movie screened at Um, Comic-Con. That's interesting to me. Uh, And uh, because I don't even know how a Comic-Con audience, I guess it in 2004, it would have been like, woohoo, this is amazing. I don't know how they would yeah. necessarily feel now compared to like how, con- how big of a deal Comic-Con is now. This would be so lame in comparison. I, I guess it was forward thinking of them to, you know, kind of bring it to Comic-Con. <sighs> they kind of had the right audience in mind, I guess. Yeah. The like nerds who think that, this kind of aesthetic is fascinating and can carry an entire movie. Yeah. Um, oh, Casey Affleck was supposed to play Dex. Wow. Ugh, I'm glad he didn't because I hate Casey Me Affleck. Too. Um, yikes. This movie. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add about it? I feel like we could have uh. just talked about the craziness of it. We could have gone note for note and talked about this for way too long. Uh, so I ended up on an interview. Okay. With I'm just kind of glancing over things. Mm-hmm. Um, like they asked him, wasn't there a title change along the way to avoid confusion with Roland Emmerich's The Day After Tomorrow? <laughs> and what did he say? Um, no, essentially. Okay. Do you think there will be any Sky Captain merchandise or toy line? <laughs> I have to get toys for Carrie. Carrie said the only thing he wanted was the G5. Um, so I guess that was the plane. Yeah. Uh, like this, S- I don't know. <laughs> Since this movie is based on a serialized film, do you see this movie being the first in a series? Conran. Sure. I need to nap in between them, but obviously it's set up that way. We literally can have him going to the center of the earth or to space from here. And in that regard, the serialized nature would continue. (laughs) So we all had fun doing this and it was a great experience with Jude and Gwyneth. If we can do anything for them. Wow. All right. Well, so let's get on Kickstarter and start because this movie was essentially Kickstartered. Like let's, let's fund the (laughs) sky captain sequel that no one has asked for. I mean, I'm kind of asking for it. I wouldn't be... I would would just want to see where they would go. I would too, and I would want to see... I feel like this aesthetic would be much easier and much more interesting to pull off now with, like, the the technology that we have and the just... the, The more TV shows and movies and stuff that have done kind of the period piece like world war aesthetic sort of thing like i feel like there there have been people who have proven that it's much easier to do without being this like overly saturated sepia tone thing but yeah yeah if they if they have a progression of time because it's like the 20s or 30s yeah so then the 40s would be (laughs) oh yeah do world war ii setting let's let's get sky captain versus nazis yes Nazi I can robots. Rally behind that. 
<laughs> just giant Nazi robots. Yes. Kill them and punch them all. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, let's start that Kickstarter. Um, yeah, I don't even know. Do we want to do our game? Because there are yes, because yes, I'm like there are people in this movie who have not been on superhero properties yet. Yeah, we will so ignore Gwyneth since she we'll is ignore Goop, <laughs> since she is occasionally bogging down the MCU every couple of years for an absurd <sighs> amount of money. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, what we do for this last segment is we take the leads of the movie. And maybe the director. Sometimes we do that. And not the director for this one. No. And we fan cast them into a comic book property. Yes. Uh, so what do you got for this one? I honestly have not thought about this beforehand. I was thinking so we I was, could kind this of one, figure I actually it out was on trying, air. Um, I was trying to figure it out. Um, so for Jude, mm-hmm. I I was only really able to come up with one. Okay. And it's one that we already have like two other fan casts above it okay but like that i would if if i was ranking them he would be like third okay uh constantine oh mm-hmm. i could see it he's, he's behind ewan mcgregor and colin farrell yes definitely but i could see him pulling it off yeah huh okay i i could definitely see that yeah i feel like he's been one like one of those names that people have thrown around for Constantine before, um, but yeah, I'm I'm just looking up Jude Law fan cast and seeing what pops up. <laughs> um, That's literally what I did too. I googled Jude Law fan casts <laughs> and uh, Angelina Jolie fan cast. Oh yeah, the first fan cast is Jude Law as Constantine, um, but it does work. Yep. Like I could see him, I could see him doing it and kind of playing that like sort of what Matt Ryan does, but not as much yeah he so. would be more in line with like the matt ryan yeah kind of interpretation of constantine which is just like i'm younger and a human disaster kind of yeah but yeah i could definitely see that that i think that's a pretty good one to go with because i honestly can't think of anything right now um me neither yeah well i mean you thought of one <laughs> um for angelina jolie i feel like there are I don't know. She's one of those people who could play, like, anything. Yeah. She can play the villain or the hero or the in-between. She could play... She would be good as um, Cersei in... I was thinking that, too. Yeah. As much as I want Cersei to kind of be a POC... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's who I was thinking, too. Yeah, she'd, like, just any badass, like... Because it's, it's fun seeing her kind of play a villain, I think. And yeah. I think it would be, well, obviously, because that's what I wanted this whole movie and then didn't yeah. get. But I think it would be fun to see her be, like, a DCU villain and just doing some sort of, like, larger than, kind of like what Kate Blanchett is doing in Ragnarok to an extent. Yeah. But, like, in the DCU and in some awesome movie. I think that would be really fun to see. That would be fun. Yeah. I could, I could get behind that because I'm trying to think of... I don't know who else I would cast her as. Um, hmm. Yeah, she's a she's a tough one. Like she's simultaneously, I could see her as everything, but also nothing. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. 
there are a ton of people like that though where it's like you're both too versatile and not versatile enough because you're like such a popular person that exactly it's it's really hard to like fully immerse you in a particular role but i feel like it, it i feel like it would have to be one of those things like kate blanchett as hella where it's just kind of like i'm this like you know that this is the actor playing the character like you're aware of the fact that this is like a gigantic star playing the part or whatever so yeah that would be my pick then yeah that's a good pick awesome well then i think we are wrapping it up unless you have anything more you want to add about sky captain not really okay i mean just i as far as recommending it do you (laughs) i mean if you're a fan of pulps yeah kind of the golden age of the those like characters like doc savage shadow or just golden age comics then yeah by all means watch it if if not, well, this movie's not for you, and just go watch Wild Wild West. Because <laughs> it makes a better use of, like, contraptions and yes. crazy robots and stuff. Which I never thought I would say that Wild Wild West is better at something than another movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of amazed that we have reached that point. But, yeah. Um, where can people find you on the social medias? On the social media, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Chris Vito. Um, not really anywhere else, just mainly there. Um, yeah, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Hey It's Jenna Lynn. There you can find a link to all of my articles on ComicBook.com. Um, I have not written about Sky Captain and probably never will. You, you need to fix that. No. We also only write about movies that are like based off of comic books, which is why that's why I did wonder because I was like, this feels like a movie that would, I don't know. But we'll watch later today. There'll be an announcement. It's like Sky Captain, the ongoing series <sighs> from fucking. <laughs> from one of the obscure like comic publishers that's i am surprised that there wasn't was there like a at least a tie-in comic with this where i'm gonna have to research that because it doesn't seem if they were promoting in dc i feel like it wouldn't be out of the question for them to make like a tiny like one-shot comic that would be something that would go alongside this let's see So there is an art book. Okay. <laughs> so not really a comic, but it just had like kind of concept art and yeah, uh, other stuff like that. One of those coffee table books that you get. Yeah. <laughs> so so Conran said of it after more than a decade of fan requests. I'm excited that Dynamite is helping <laughs> Sky Captain take flight one more time. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking that up right now just to see what it looks like. That's kind of, that's both sweet and sad in a way. It is. He's so invested in this thing. Oh and my he, gosh. And he sunk a lot of time and money into it. And he, I feel sorry for him. Like, I give him A for effort. <laughs> <sighs> Me too. Me too. But yeah, I guess that's it for my plugs. Um, I do another podcast called Delicious Flavor, which is a psych rewatch podcast. 
Um, there are episodes of that up if you would like to take a listen. Um, and I guess that's it for this episode. Do we want to tease what we're doing next week since we actually know? Um, I, I don't even know how to tease it without giving it away. I don't either. Um, I c- uh, it involves how- doves. Doves? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, does it? <laughs> I had to think for a second. It's like, oh. Uh... I'm just remembering one particular shot in it that definitely does. Yes. So, yeah. If, if you understand what that means, then good for you. If not, you will find out the answer in a week. <laughs> so, until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. 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 Bye.